0: So what I would just encourage people to do is have a good combination of patience and impatience. So it's okay to be a little impatient and want things to grow and want things to move fast. Um, But if, for example, you find yourself saying, I haven't gotten a promotion in X months, take a deep breath and realize that a lot of people work for many, many, many years growing and improving without a title change. Yep. That's okay.
1: You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Whole podcast. So I want to invite Katie Brooks. She has been here all day. She's the chief people officer at HubSpot. And I got to meet Katie when I was in Boston. I was meeting everybody. And, that uh, you know, HubSpot, uh, as most people know, is an investor in Terminus. And I got to meet the founding team, like Brian and Dermesh and all the executive teams. So I was very fortunate to meet Katie. And I just asked her, hey, Katie, could you, you know, come down to Terminus? We are just growing up and covered, small startup, and just share your wisdom. This was like, what, six months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, six months ago. And uh, she, I think just as she' nice of a person she is, he said, yeah, of course. Just like, yeah, whatever. She didn't know who she's dealing with.
0: I had absolutely no idea <laughs> the person that I was dealing with <laughs>
1: yeah, in a good way. Yeah, hopefully in a good way. And I've been uh, persistent because I just know how important mm-hmm. culture is. And as we grew, we have no idea. Like at Terminus, we were three co-founders and before we knew we were fifty and now we're like closing to two hundred and went through acquisition and all that stuff. Like we were just learning so much. So Katie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I'm so glad to be here. So uh, we just had you come and share a lot of things with the entire Terminus team. Uh, You've met the lady Terminators over here. What do you think so far? What are the things that are coming to your mind when you think about the culture here at Terminus, HubSpot? Uh, You've seen it all the way. So what, what are the thoughts that go through your mind?
0: So I think one thing I noticed right away coming into Terminus, so one of the reasons we invested in Terminus was we invest in people, right? So we invest in products. We also invest in people. And the culture of a company is pretty reflective of how much they care about their customers, how much they're going to care about their employees as they grow. And so one of the things that I look for is the energy. Uh, Before anyone knows, I'm coming before I yeah. was in the elevator, that sort of thing. And as I was in the elevator coming up here today, I said I was going to floor eight. Yeah. And the gentleman in the in the elevator were like, you're coming to Terminus. Welcome. Let's <laughs> get that and all the kind of stuff And I think the second thing I would say, so, you know, that's, Dharmesh has a saying called being shockingly helpful. Yeah. You could tell that Terminus employees are shockingly helpful. The second thing I would say is... I think at best-in-class companies, employees feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves and bigger than the product they're building. It feels like folks here are on a mission, and that's a great thing. So I love it when I enter a company and you feel like people feel like they're part of a movement. So one of the things I always say is like, when you go to Warby Parker, you can tell yeah. that people are selling glasses, but they're also selling a vision for what their company could be and how they're going to transform the landscape of retail. Yeah, uh, I want to hear that. I want to feel that same sentiment when I enter a company. And that's certainly something I've been lucky to feel today.
1: That is awesome. So you shared a lot of your background. Can you share just for the audience, like most of uh, the folks listening to the podcast are like in B2B marketing sales. And a lot of them are in like startup mid-size, but a ton of them are enterprise too. What you gonna share a little bit of your background because you came from like marketing and, and that kind of stuff. And also, what in your mind is the role of a chief people officer?
0: Yeah, So uh, I was a liberal arts major. I got certified to teach 7th through 12th grade. I basically had no idea. I thought I was going to go to <laughs> law school. And thankfully, I didn't go to law school. I would have been a terrible lawyer. But I didn't go to law school. And what I ended up doing was taking a job in D.C. as a consultant and I ended up in my first startup job working for the Glover Park Group. And the Glover Park Group was started by some Clinton Gore alums. And the mm. idea was to rethink political advertising in its current form. And so we were, the joke that I always make is that we were like Olivia Pope in Scandal. Before <laughs> Scandal existed, we would get the phone call in the middle of the night that a company, a nonprofit, a country, a government, a political candidate wow. was in trouble and you'd help them figure it out. And so. I think it's very similar in a lot of ways to startup life uh, overall, because there's always something new. You have to be really good at learning things in industries quickly. Yep. You have to learn what matters. You have to learn who's telling the truth, yep. uh, who's not. And then you have to get to a clear message. And so uh, that was sort of how I started my startup career. Then I went to MIT for business school. And what I learned at MIT was um, you don't have to tell people how smart you are if you actually are pretty smart. Just uh, do so it. I was really, just, yeah, just do it. Nike had something there. So one of the best parts for me at Was I met people whose sheer intellect Mm -hmm. blew me away, but so too did their sheer humility. And so I think one thing I've tried to bring from MIT to HubSpot is we employ a lot of really smart people. I don't think you need to tell people how smart you are. I think instead uh, learning and growing and having a growth mindset is the most important thing. Uh, and then before joining HubSpot, I ran marketing and business development for an athletic training company called now wow. called Exos. But basically we.
1: And they're based in Boston as well.
0: So they had venture capital funding from Boston, but they're based in Phoenix. So our okay. headquarters um, was in North Phoenix. And basically Exos really wants to help people perform better. And so the goal was basically to help NFL combine athletes, Major League Baseball athletes prepare for their season, recover yep. from injury, that sort of thing. But in the process, we ended up starting a corporate wellness business and doing a lot of work with companies like Walgreens and Google and um, even just wholesale grocers on how to reduce injuries in their workforce. And as a result, it made me even more interested in human performance and what teams can achieve. Uh, I ended up making the switch to HubSpot because I wanted to travel a little bit less and I wanted to work for a Boston proud company. (laughs) Uh, So I've been at HubSpot for five years, first in a marketing role, then the culture role, and now I oversee all of our people operations. So my career is definitely not a straight line, but I actually think in the marketing world in general and the sales world in general, you'll see a lot more of that. And I think the way that it translates to my current role is, I actually think you should think of your employees in the same way that you do. Stakeholders, prospects, customers, you need yeah. to communicate with them effectively. You need to be able to inspire and engage them. Yep. Uh, and you need to be able to know when things aren't working, and when you need to fix them. So yep. I really think about myself as creating and delivering a great experience, but also making sure we share that story with the world.
1: I love that. Uh, I also felt like when you were sharing your vision and how HubSpot thinks about culture, you said something very interesting, and I made a, made a note on that, was like, you look at companies, when they start, they will be better, but different. Yes. And I think that's something is lost on a lot of people. They feel like, well, the culture should be the same. That's the founding. You know, That's how it started. That's what made it great. Uh, and what you really are saying is that, hey, you know what? Get ready. Buckle up. Uh, it's going to be better, but it's also going to be different. Can you unpack that a little bit?
0: So one of the early, I mean, Dharmesh Shah, our co-founder, is a culture genius, but he authored the culture code yeah. back in the day. And since then, it's amassed over 3.6 million views. The views are great, but what's most important to me is you can see a version number in the bottom right-hand corner of the deck. And that's because we iterate on it. Our culture is fluid, as is our company, as are our people. And so we're really trying to build as culture as fluid and adaptive as yep. our market demands. And so I think you're exactly right, which is to say that over time, a company grows and evolves and changes, so too does its culture. And rather than holding on like heck to make sure it stays exactly the same, the goal should be to preserve what really matters and then to adapt to make sure that your culture fits your workplace, your customers, your employee needs, all that kind of stuff. And that can be really, really hard.
1: It is extreme, like and so like a Terminus, we went from three to 50 to now close to 200. And one thing we are realizing is that there have been people who have been like, and today was a great day. We had like 12 promotions, which was just perfect for you to come and talk about growth in general. But there are lots of people who would start, who are starting to think like, well, did we have the great run and should we be thinking about it? I know, in, especially in the marketing and sales profession, that's how people think like, hey, I'm at this company for three years. Or I'm in this role for like four years or two years. Should I start thinking about making a move and a shift? And and you talked about like how you decided to stay at HubSpot and that obviously has been a pretty rewarding career. What advice would you give to like young, uh, hungry and motivated people that are in B2B marketing and sales who are just like there in a couple of years and they're starting to have these questions and thoughts?
0: So there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and motivated. In fact, I encourage it. But I do think that a lot of people are starting to equate promotions with growth and thinking of them as one and the same. Uh, So for example, I had an employee come to me at one point and say, I've been here 16 months without a promotion. Like, what do you have to say about that? And I'm like, what I have to say about that is we have countless people who haven't had promotions in 16 months. And honestly, I am overwhelmed today by how many things I can think of that I could have done better or differently all of us need to be growing every single day. And honestly, even after you secure a promotion, you should be thinking, what could I do better or differently tomorrow yeah. that I didn't do today or yesterday? And so I think one of the downsides of the current kind of business mindset is that people equate promotions with growth, but also that people think that every jump that offers more money or a bigger, mm. bigger title is the right jump. Yep. You really want to be working, doing work that you really love with people you admire, And honestly, the title and the money tends to take care of itself. That's not to say that you shouldn't advocate for yourself. But I can think of, I've been a part of really bad teams, and I've been a part of really good teams. I don't remember my title at all (laughs) uh, during any of those. What I remember is what it feels like to be on a high-performing team. And the reality is I think people don't appreciate sometimes that your colleagues and the work you get to do make your day or ruin your day. Your title ultimately impacts your bank account and maybe yep. your LinkedIn views, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I actually think the overinflation of titles is a bad thing. With that said, I think there's also a movement where people say title doesn't matter, power doesn't matter, that yeah. sort of thing. And I think that's a little silly too. I think yeah. we need to acknowledge that people are human. Yep. They notice what other people are doing and they're motivated by different things. So what I would just encourage people to do is have a good combination of patience and impatience. So it's okay to be a little impatient and want things to grow and want things to move fast um, but if for example you find yourself saying I haven't gotten a promotion in X months yeah take a deep breath and realize that a lot of people work for many 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 yeah. years growing and improving without a title change yep that's okay
1: Caitlin you're listening to that now she's over demand specialist <laughs> in the room I'm like are you to that? <laughs> yeah. that's awesome alright so it's so the last question you know you are a big proponent on diversity and how it essentially empowers impacts very positively for the growth of the company you know, and, and how, and you have helped me think about that personally. So I really want to thank you for that. Uh, so could you just share your more, more of your thoughts on like, you know, how should people think about diversity? How should people kind of encourage diversity and things like that?
0: Absolutely. So like many tech companies, we want to get more diverse and yeah. more inclusive as we grow. So I say this from a position of humility, which is I'm really passionate about this, but we are not where I would like us to be yet. What I'm really proud of is that we're being intentional about how we're making diversity an opportunity that we're going to tackle and that we're making it a business opportunity, not an HR challenge or recruiting challenge. And so I think, you know, we all have an obligation, particularly after all the headlines of this year, to do better and to think about the organizations we're building and how inclusive they feel. Um, And so I hope that over time, the next generation of people who work in tech in a decade will look different, will come from different backgrounds. And to do that, we need to start a deeper conversation that's sometimes uncomfortable. We need to call each other out on things that we can improve and we need to make a commitment at the leadership level to build companies that look as diverse as our customer base. And so yeah. that's kind of something I'm thinking about. I'm reflecting on. I'm learning from other people I admire in this space. And my hope to anyone listening would be every company has one thing they can do better. Yeah. Be the person in your organization who speaks up and makes a commitment to doing better there.
1: Be that person. I love that. All right, so here's a wrap up. I try to do this real time wrap up of the whole podcast. So let's see if I got the golden nuggets where people have to listen to it to kind of get everything. So one you know, look at the HubSpot culture code. You also mentioned in the talk earlier that go and look at the Netflix culture code, right? Yes. So that's something that people should- The so
0: Netflix culture code is the OG of culture <laughs> Absolutely, highly recommend that people check it out. It's very much worth
1: it. All right, so I'm going to do that. I've never looked at Netflix. I'm going to go look at uh, that. And then the second thing you mentioned was about being adaptive. Uh, when it comes to scaling and growing and culture and the teams, you got to have an adaptive mindset. It's not about, you know, what we did yesterday worked or not worked, Be adaptive. That's what you kind of talked about. Well, you think at Netflix, you think about Google, you think about Amazon. All of them had this adaptive mentality. The third thing, this is really, really key. And this is probably key and probably the most important thing for everybody in, on the younger side uh, from a generation perspective is promotion does not equal growth. I think that should be a banner or a t-shirt or something like that. Like promotion is not growth. Like you may get promoted because it's just an opportunity that might happen, but you can grow every single day. So I thought that was really, really good. Jumping to a different job in a different company and getting a title is not everything. And then the last part on diversity, which is something that I'm learning and I'm trying to be better at, is be intentional about it. Because if you're not intentional, it's not that you are going to do something or you're not thinking about it. But if you're not intentional, you're just going to miss it. And that's such a big deal. So I'm so thankful you said that. And I think everyone
0: doesn't want to get started because they're not perfect. So one of the things I hear often from people is, I don't want to start a women's program because we don't have enough senior female leaders. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that could happen if you bring in great external female speakers for your employees, male and female, to learn from? Yeah. Everyone learns and grows, and that's a good thing. So don't wait for perfection. Uh, Be intentional and focus on growth. I think far too many people are standing on the sidelines waiting to get in.
1: Cool, Katie, thank you so much. You've been a blast. Thank you so much,
0: Sanger. It's been great.